Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. write a book, I think it's going to be called Conversations with Cooper on the front pew. I asked him one time, I said, you got any advice for me before I get up and preach? He said, do your best. <laughs> a while ago, I asked him if he was ready for school, and he said, kind of. That's how all of them are. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We're going to continue this mini-series, if you will, on the essentials of being on mission for the Lord. Now, the Lord willing, next week we'll be back in 2 Samuel with 2 Samuel 7, one of the key chapters in all of the Bible. It affects the past, the present, and the future. And we're going to see wonderful pictures of our Lord in 2 Samuel 7, and we'll continue with that uh, exposition of that wonderful book beginning next week. This summer, we have been emphasizing the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian, especially the Christian who is on mission to win somebody to Christ. In light of our Who's Your Mission emphasis that uh, we have been involved in since January, where we were challenged to choose at least one soul who needs to be saved now. They need Christ now. And uh, we had over 230 names of people that you love and you care about and you want to see saved, your family members and friends, some of them who live way off, some of them live right across the street, some of them live in your home, some of them live in this city. Some of them on the coast, wherever they may be, you love them and care about them, and you want them to know Christ, and that's been our emphasis, and we challenged you to pray, and uh, this summer we've been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in putting His people on mission, and how He goes before us, and what He does in them, and in us, and through us, and the last two weeks... This will be the third week. We've been looking at Peter and his experience with the Roman centurion Cornelius, who was a good man, but he was lost. He needed Jesus. He was a moral man, but he was lost, and he needed Jesus. He needed to be born again. And how God just orchestrated that. And the, we are looking at ten principles Ten essentials to being on mission for the Lord, to win souls to Christ. And I want to read, uh, beginning with verse 1, and I'm going to come to a stopping point where we stopped off last week and rehearse the first six principles, and then we're going to look at the final four uh, today. So Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion, of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, who gave alms to the people 
and prayed always to God. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. God's paying attention. He knows you're seeking him. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou ought to do. And when the angel who spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of those that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near into the city, Peter went up upon the top of the house, the housetop, to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, in which were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Oh, not so, Lord, not so, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not common. This was done three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And so in those verses... We've seen the first six essentials of being on mission, of winning somebody to Christ. One was you must know that regardless of how wonderful people are and good people are and moral and decent people are, that without Jesus, they're lost. Their honesty is not holiness. It's not. Their love is not devotion to Christ. They need to be born again. The second principle was, is you've got to have confidence that before the Holy Spirit puts you to work, He is at work on them. And then, thirdly, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. And then fourth, we saw that you must serve faithfully even when the conditions are not ideal. You remember when Peter, Peter was a Christian, he, he was a born-again Jewish man, and he still had a little bit of ties to, to his Judaism, to the law of Moses. And God has him in the tanner's house. Remember that? That's the place where... Dead carcasses are everywhere. You don't want to be there, especially... I wouldn't want to be there. And, you know, I eat beef. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be there. Peter, much less a Jew, would not want to be there. But that's where he was for some reason we don't know. But God had him there. And he was making the best of it. He was in prayer, and he was serving the Lord as best he could in Joppa, although he wasn't staying at the Hyatt Regency. He was staying at the Tanner's home. And so he was faithful. God was using him. And then the fifth essential is you must be one given to prayer. He went to pray. And he, he was a man who, who prayed. And we talked about praying for the lost. And then, number six, he showed him that vision. Remember that sheet coming down with all those animals? And I imagine there were hogs on that sheet. And I imagine uh, there were all kinds of animals on that sheet. And the Lord showed it to him three times, and three times the Lord said, No, I'm not going to eat that. Mm -mm. I've never done anything like that, Lord. And God had to show him and give him his word through that vision uh, that you don't call unclean what I call clean. Peter, I've got you at the tanner's house for a reason. You know, sometimes our circumstances 
get us ready to receive his word. And so he, he got his word. Uh, be careful. You be careful by saying God speaks through circumstances because the devil can speak through circumstances too. A well-meaning friend with bad advice can speak through circumstances too. But circumstances can prepare us to hear from God directly from his word. And Peter did. And we have it pinned down for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit right here. And so what God was telling Peter is, is, Peter, you don't have my heart for people. You don't have my heart for people. So I've created this circumstance in which you're in, in this tanner's house, where there's all kinds of uncleanness, dead animals around, and, and I've spoiled your Judaism, Peter. But I'm teaching you something, and this is what I'm teaching you. And I'm about to put it to work in your life. And so that... Sixth thing was, is you got to share the heart of Jesus for the lost. You've got to care like Jesus cares and love like Jesus loves and have the heart of Jesus for the lost. Jesus said, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he also said, so send I you. Care for the lost. And then we come to verse 17 and we see the remaining four things. Look at verse 17. Now, while Peter was perplexed what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men who were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry at Simon the Tanner's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodged there, was staying there. And while Peter thought on this vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek you, Peter. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down uh, to the men who were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause for the reason you come? Why have you come here? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a righteous man, and one that fears God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by an holy angel to send for you into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. They, they stayed the night. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa went with him. And the next day after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and his near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, Stand up, I, I'm a man. I'm also a man. That's all I am. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company are come unto one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Peter said, bingo, <laughs> the light bulb came on. Therefore came I unto you without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore for what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard, and your alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and call here Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside. One, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee immediately. Therefore I sent to you, and thou hast done well that you were come. Now, therefore... Are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. Then the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And he preached unto him Jesus. And while he was preaching, verse 44 says, Cornelius and people in that house believed the gospel 
and they were miraculously saved. And God changed Cornelius' life and the life of his family and friends. And God changed the whole church because this Gentile was saved and Peter was obedient. So let's look at the final four essentials to be on mission for God. Number seven, recognize and continue in the providential opportunities that God has for you. Continue and recognize the providential opportunities that God has for you. Verse 17 begins with this very important two little words. Now, while. While Peter was involved in one thing, Cornelius in another, and the men he sent to fetch Peter were involved in another, God was bringing them all together. While all that was taking place, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing, but God was bringing it all together to get the gospel from the mouth to the ears where it needed to be. This is God's doing, God's timing. God is always bringing you to a point of action when it comes to His mission. So how do you recognize the providential opportunities that God brings your way to share Christ and be on mission? Well, first of all, you will not recognize them unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That was number three. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to be surrendered to what God does. Because sometimes His providence just messes you up, doesn't it? It just messes up your plans and things go another way. But it's God at work. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you kind of have this attitude, I'm just here for the Lord. And God's brought this my way. So to recognize His providence is you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second of all... You have to be obedient to God's Word. Now, some people have told me, I'm not called to share the gospel with people. I'm not called to make disciples. And apparently, they have not read the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always. Apparently, they hadn't read what Jesus said when he, he said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. Apparently, they hadn't read what Paul wrote when he said that we have been reconciled to him and God sent his son Jesus reconciling the world unto himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But I want to tell you, if the command to be a witness for Christ is not for you, it's because John 3.16 isn't for you either. Now, at First Baptist Church, that's good preaching whether you like it or not. You see, you can't pick and choose. So you consider yourself called and commanded when you read the Great Commission. I mean, if the Great Commission is for the church, and if you're saved, you're part of the church. But you have to be willing to be obedient to the Lord. And basically, when people have told me that, they've said, I'm, I'm disobedient to God, and I've made up my excuse. I wish people would just say that. But they have to, say, they have to spiritualize, oh, I'm not called. See, and, and folks, they won't recognize the providences of God with that attitude because that's what they'll convince themselves of. And they'll never get to know what God is up to. Let me give you a little insight. You do not get to know what God is up to by Bible study. Bible study will not teach you what God is up to. It will teach you all about God. But you only learn what God is up to by obedience to the Bible. That's how you experience it. Jesus taught us that. And so that's how you recognize the providences of God when they just come your way. I want to tell you two 
providences of God that have happened to me in the last two weeks. One, I was at a meeting with a group of preachers at our associational office over in Pascagoula. Just a committee meeting. And George Smith was in the meeting. Y'all remember George, the missionary from Uganda who's preached here. And so we're sitting in this meeting, and he said, I'm going back to Uganda and the Congo in November. And he said, I need to take some preachers with me. The only seminary, Southern Baptist Seminary on, in, in, in the international world is in Uganda, and I need some teaching, and we need some evangelism work in the prisons and in the refugee camps and some teaching in the seminary, and I'm looking to go, and I need some people to go. Well, I just picked my head up from my notes and made eye contact with George and thought, maybe I need to pray about that. And so I started praying about it, asking God, God, you kind of gave me a pinpoint with that, and I need to know what to do. I prayed about it, prayed about it, and then George called me one day out of the clear blue, and he said, I want to personally invite you to go with me to Uganda in November. Will you go? And I said, George, I need to pray about that. He said, you just got a few weeks to pray about it. You don't have long to pray about it. So I'll, I'll, I'll call you in a couple of weeks. And so I'm driving up, driving down the road, and I know a preacher up in Brookhaven who, who's made several of those trips with George, and I want to tell you, listen, this is no joke. I'm about to push the button on my phone, uh, on my truck, to call this pastor. And my phone starts ringing, and it's that pastor. And I answer the phone. And I said, Brother, I was just about to call you. And he started talking to me about a whole other matter. And I said, Brother, I need to ask you about Uganda. You got to go. You got to go. So I pulled the trigger Friday. I'm going. But I want to tell you, now, that's okay. Amen. But thank you. I'm not asking you for any money. I'm asking you for your prayers. All right, God, God will take care of everything else, but I just need you to pray for us as we prepare for that. It's 10 days in November. I'll be home by Thanksgiving, but I'm looking forward to it. And that's just a providential thing. You just realize, and God impresses your heart, of course, and, and there's nothing in Scripture that, that precludes me from going. But let me tell you another one that's a little closer to home. The other night, Went to bed early, sound asleep, sound asleep. At 12.43, I think it was, I woke up wide awake. Now, there's three places I go, one of the three I go when I'm that wide awake. One is to the room connected to the bedroom. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. You say, preacher, that's vulgar, like you never have to get up and go. <laughs> Number two is my study. I go to study sometimes when I wake up. Third is the refrigerator. <laughs> Amen. I didn't have an inkling to go any one of those places. I was wide awake. And usually that's the time when you need to pray about something. But the Lord didn't put on my heart anything. And I turned my head and I saw my cell phone light was on. And I picked it up and there was a text I'd received about 10 minutes earlier, I believe it was. And it said, Dr. Mike, this is so-and-so. I need to talk to you about my faith. So I responded, and I said, I'll call you later today. And we had a boy saved this week. Simon got saved this week. Amen. Isn't that something? Now, how do I know that wasn't just pure luck? Because I want to tell you what, I sent that text, turned the light off on my phone, rolled over, 
went like this to make sure she was still with me and the rapture hadn't happened. <laughs> and I went right back to sleep. Amen. Had a good night's sleep. You've got to learn to recognize the providences of God, and when He opens a door, go through it. Don't hesitate. Go. Amen. Amen. I hope to wake up, be awakened many, many more times in the night. Now, if you text me at midnight and tell me about Aunt Lulu's ingrown toenail, I'm not going to respond. But anyway, you've got to recognize the continued providence of God in your life. And see those doors he opens up. And you got to walk through them. you got to take advantage of them. Some of them you have time to pray about. Some of them you, 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 you have time to respond in prayer. Sometimes you don't, and you just know, but you'll know it's of God. Number eight, verses 23 through 24. Get the job done. Get the job done. Verses 23 through 24. Then called he them in, lodged with them, and went on his way. The next morning they got up and got the job done. I said it already. God is always bringing you to a point of action. It's do or die, especially for the lost. Peter was in ASAP mode. It was time to go. He knew now what God was doing, and it was time to go. There comes a time when you have to do something in terms of your mission. Prayer always precedes action. But the great preacher Spurgeon said, action without prayer is presumption. But prayer without action is hypocrisy. Spurgeon said, action without prayer is presumption, but prayer without action is hypocrisy. The whole purpose of the church and the Christians within the church is to be go, on go mode, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Our spiritual life, our devotion, our purpose is a commission to go and get the job done. When you are getting the job done, God will give you more opportunities. It's remarkable. Look what happened to Peter. God fixed him up, got his mind right where he'd be willing to go. And he, when it was time to get the job done, he went and got the job done. And you know what? When he got there, it was more than just Cornelius. Cornelius had his family in there. Cornelius had his friends in there. Cornelius had some of his soldiers in there. Cornelius had a whole bunch of people in there, just more than Cornelius. You know, when you get the job done, you'll find out that God has always more of the job to do. And he's at work before you get there. The work of Peter expanded. Peter got the job done even when it was difficult to do. He had to travel 31 miles from Joppa to Caesarea, to get the job done. But he said, it's time to do it. Back then, traveling wasn't as easy as it is now. Even the Camelacs weren't air-conditioned back then. It was hard traveling. They probably walked. Maybe they had horses. He was a Roman centurion. I don't know. But Peter left and got the job done. He left Joppa and went and got the job done. And there just has to be that zeal and that commitment. It's time to act. God has brought everything to pass. He's got my thinking right. He's got my heart right. He's arranged the circumstances in his providential sovereignty. And now it's time for me to do my part. And so he gets there. And it's just real neat. God, he, he shares with them. He says, I know God, God wants to save you. What he was saying is, is God had to convince me, and God did. And I know God wants to save you, and God wants you to be one of his children. He wants us to be brothers, Cornelius. He wants, us, he wants me to share the gospel with you. 
all he's taken me through. He woke me up after midnight to get me to you. And then Cornelius bows down as if to worship Peter. And that's the ninth thing. Know this. The work of the gospel is not about you. The work of the gospel is not about you. Peter said, get up. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Get up. I'm here to represent the Lord, but I'm not the Lord. I'm just a man. Peter basically said, not unto me, Cornelius. Not unto me. The psalmist said, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and thy true sake, wherefore should the heathen say, where now is their God? We start taking credit for what God does. I want to tell you what, God will cut it off and we say, where are you, God? And God will kind of respond to us and say, well, you've been acting like you didn't need me. And so the credit and the glory goes to God, and Peter knew that. Now, this is a rebuking thing, absolutely, but it's also a liberating truth. Think about it. It's not about you. It's about God. I'm just a man. Now, that's a loaded statement Peter gave to Cornelius. It's a loaded statement. I'm just a man. That means I may say some things wrong when I share the gospel with you. I may stutter a little bit when I share the gospel with you. I may not explain it as easily as it was explained to me. I, I might not be able to do and speak it forth like Cole can or somebody else can. But I won't tell you what, I know it, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's power in the gospel, and I'm just going to tell you it like it is. And... Peter said, I'm just a man. So it's kind of liberating. It's, it's not about your performance. If your personality or your ability to persuade or sell saved anybody, they're not saved. God said, I'm going to use the most, what, the lesser vessels. I am not going to use the mighty and the wise as much as I'm going to use the weak and the foolish. So I will get my glory. And so folks, listen. The gospel and its work's not about you. So let's not be proud. But the gospel and its work's not about you. Let's not be scared. The Holy Spirit's there. He's going to use our frailties. When we are weak, then we are strong, and His power is manifested and made perfect in weakness. It can get out there. Amen. And so have confidence in the power of God unto salvation, which is not your ability. It's not your persuasive tongue. It's the gospel of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have this illustrated to me an awful lot. In the preaching business, we have a term called laying an egg. And it's when you get up here and you lay an egg. And I mean, you walk away and I get in the truck and I say, Miss Tracy, how was that? And there's a pause in the passenger seat. And she says, it was good, but... And then the eggs cracked. Amen. But I won't tell you what, those Sundays sometimes when I've gotten up here and laid an egg and didn't have any confidence in my performance have been some of the most wonderful blessings. You walk away and then you might get a call later that week saying, Pastor, I've got to tell you what, what your, the message did for me this Sunday, what God's Word, how it helped me. It's not about your performance. So tell them, stand up. I'm just a man. Stand up. And God will allow them to hear your heart and what you're trying to say, and He'll use it, and He'll bless it. Amen? I promise you. 
if you just get the job done, he'll use you. Have that attitude. And then we come to number 10. You must come to the point when you speak the words of the gospel. There must come to a point where you speak the words of the gospel. There's a saying out there that says, uh, you know, uh, share the gospel, use words if necessary. I disagree totally with that statement. Words are always necessary. How shall they hear without a proclaimer? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Nobody's ever been saved without words being spoken. Nobody. You must proclaim the gospel. And you must speak it. Peter said, I'm going to speak it. Cornelius said, we're ready to hear the words that God commands you to speak. And you share the gospel with them. Now there's several ways to, to do that. There's several approaches. I, 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 and and I, I want to tell you what, the Lord is always with you. He always is with you when you're, when you're sharing the gospel. As a matter of fact, He promised us, Go ye therefore, and lo, I am with you always. And, and He'll... He'll bring to mind the scriptures. He'll bring to mind what you need to say. And you might stutter, you might stammer, but the Holy Spirit's always at work. God is always with you. And um, you, will, you will be successful, even if the person's not saved, because you shared the gospel. You shared the gospel. Now, in Who's Your Mission?, one of the commitments we made was to equip you. And if you have a mission, we introduced this last week, and we, when we talked about prayer, we said there's a little helpful tool in here to help you pray for your mission, the lost. And um, we also have some other things in here. We have some of the crosses that open up the doors to share the gospel. Remember when we talked about that? And if you've forgotten that, we'll, we'll remind you. Uh, we have some of our invite cards uh, in here. Uh, of course, you can pick these up anywhere, and I encourage everybody to pick them up. And uh, I try to give out three a day. And it's just, it says, you're invited, 10.30 a.m. Sunday service, and on the back is a, a, a QR code, and you put your cell phone up, and it takes you to a presentation of the gospel and to our website where the gospel's presented. And I put three of these in my pocket every day and try to give out at least three. And... Uh, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't, but that's my goal. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of goals we can meet, and sometimes we can. But also in here is something, if you have a mission, I want you to pick one of these bags up and grab it, is uh, a, a little New Testament that we purchased uh, called the Christian Life New Testament. I've been using mine for years. The man who taught me and took me out uh, when I was in college to share the gospel used this and gave me a leather-bound copy, and I still have it, and I still use it, but I prefer these paperback copies or these kind of card stock copies because um, that you can give them away to the person you share the gospel with. But in here are gospel outlines, and you can go through it and, and find different ways, and it gives you some instructions. Uh, also inside this uh, uh, packet, Who's Your Mission Toolkit?, is a, a gospel track. What's the gospel? And it'll say the gospel is God loves you, and it gives you some of the Bible verses. And you can uh, use this uh, to uh, sit down with somebody and say, let me share with you what the Word of God says. And if all you have is this, you can win them to Christ and bring them to the point where they will pray uh, to receive Christ. And you say, well, what about the prayer? Isn't there some kind of special prayer? No. I know one man in the Bible who simply said, remember me. That's all he said. Matter of fact, I know one man who said yes and put down his pencil at the tax collector, Matthew. He said yes, and he put down his pencil and followed Jesus. Amen. And so, you know, we, we got to be careful about the sinner's prayer because there's several 
different sinners out there, and they pray different things, but the point is they believe the gospel. But this has some wonderful outlines, and it's a great New Testament. You can share the gospel with your mission, and then you can give them this and come up here to the church and get another one. We'll only charge you $15. Now we'll give them to you. You're going to use them to win souls, we'll give them to you. But I want to tell you, uh, there's just all kinds of ways, but you've got to get to the point where you speak the gospel. You speak to them the truth of God. And you look for those providential opportunities to do so. And you share the gospel with them. Real quickly, let me give you three, uh, a good way to share the gospel with somebody. All right, listen to this. Write these verses down. They're not on the screen, but, but write these verses down. First thing to show somebody, it, this, this is what I do. I say, now look, this is God's word, the Bible. It's, it's what God has to say to us. And I want to share with you if... If, if Thank you for being willing to listen. And I want to share with you what the Bible says about you and me and Jesus. And you take them to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know the Bible says that about all of us? I've sinned, you've sinned, all have sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God. You know that John chapter 1 tells us the glory of God is Jesus. If there's ever been a moment when you weren't like Jesus, that means you've fallen short of His glory. Were you ever like Jesus? Unlike Jesus? I've been to unlike Jesus many times. You know how? Many ways. My attitude's been wrong. Sometimes I've said things I shouldn't have said, I've sinned i tell you one way I'm unlike Jesus. I was in the hospital the other day and didn't heal a soul. Crippled man didn't get up and walk because I touched him. And so I've been unlike Jesus. I've come short of the glory of God. And then you go over to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A wage is something you deserve. It's something you earn. At the end of the day, you get a wage. At the end of the pay period, you get a wage. And the Bible says, because you've sinned and have been unlike Jesus, you deserve to die. Your earning will be death. Death is a separation. Physical death is the separation of the spirit from the body. Physical death. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul, the spirit from God, the relationship with God. Eternal death is separation from God in hell forever. And you are spiritually dead because of your sin. But the next phrase in that one verse, Romans 6, 23, says, For the wages of sin is this, but the gift. See the contrast? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift is free. A gift is not earned. A gift is given out of love and grace. A gift is given. And that gift is the opposite of spiritual death. It's spiritual life, eternal life. Eternal life is more than living forever because there's going to be people living forever in hell. So eternal life is more than living forever. Eternal life is a quality of life. It is Christ's life given to you. And that's his gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You have to receive it. And then you can take them to Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, which basically says, And when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We were sinners, ungodly, and we had no strength. Nothing we could do. No strength. But Christ died for us. And then, that's verse 6. Verse 7, he says, For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. In other words, there's not many people giving up their life for others. We do have that. That's why he used the word scarcely. But I want to tell you this, dear friend. If saving your soul required Mike Barnett to give the life for his son, you're toast. I'm not going to do it. And neither are you. But the next verse, verse 8 says, But God, 
Not Mike Barnett, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, took our wage for us. Isn't that a glorious gospel we have? Amen. Glory to God. He died and took our wage so we could receive the gift. And then I like to say, John 3, 16, you might have heard this before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only one ever born that way, the virgin birth. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you, Jack, whosoever, that's you, Emma Kate, that's you, that's you, Macy, that's you, that's you. Whosoever believes in him, trusts in him, not in yourself, because you're without strength. You can't trust yourself. You're without strength. You can't do a thing about it. Can't do a thing about it. You trust him. Shall not receive the wage of death. Shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Amen. And the... You're telling them all this. You're showing them in your Bible. You get this little New Testament, and you're, you're showing them this. It's all highlighted because you've done your homework, and you got it highlighted in yellow and green and everything else. And then you say, wouldn't you like to receive that gift? Wouldn't you like to not go to hell and to have heaven as your home and have Christ in your life right now? Wouldn't you like that? And I want to tell you what, if these essentials have been met, I want to tell you most of the time they're primed because the Holy Spirit's been doing it. I will tell you, there's been some that have said, no way, I don't want it. And I pray with them. I say, well, can I at least pray with you? Nine times out of ten, they say yes. Sometimes they say no. That's the worst it's ever gotten. Amen. And so you say, well, yes, I want that gift. I want to be saved. How do I receive that gift? Well, let me tell you how. Romans chapter 10, 9 says that if thou shalt believe in thy heart, confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, he died for you, was buried, and rose again, thou shalt be saved. And you believe that? Do you believe the gospel? You believe you're a sinner? Yes. You believe the gospel? That Jesus died, took your wage, was buried and rose again. Yes. You believe that? Yes, I do. Well, you can be saved. What do I need to do? Romans 10, 13. For whosoever, the same whosoever from John 3, 16 says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. You just call on him and ask him. You ask him to save you. You turn from your sin. You tell him you don't want to call on your name or anybody else's name, and you turn, you repent, and you say, I don't want to live in sin anymore and be guilty of my sin anymore. I want you to save me and forgive me and give me your life and use me. And I want to tell you what God will do it. And then they pray to receive Christ. And you know what? I always ask them this question. Is God a liar? And they'll say, no. And I'll say, yeah, he's not a liar. You're right. I said, everybody else is, but not God. Don't look at me like that. Have you ever told a lie? Huh? You just did. I'll say, is God a liar? And that individual will say, no, he's not a liar. And I'll say, then he just said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You believe the gospel? Yes. You believe you needed Christ to be your Savior? Yes. Did you call on the name of the Lord? Yes. I did. Well, he's not a liar. You saved. You as saved as you'll ever be. Amen. 50,000 years from now, you won't be any more saved then than you are now. You're saved. And then you get them in a good Bible preaching church right here at First Baptist Church, Ocean Springs. 
and we'll talk to them about what's next, baptism and church growth and getting in the church and learning the ways of the Lord and getting involved and serving the Lord so they can become a mission. That's essential. you got to get to the point where you speak the gospel. you got to get them to the point where you speak the gospel. Because let me tell you something. You say, well, my moral life and my, my good life will show them the way. Cornelius was a good man, and he needed to hear the gospel. And I want to tell you what, don't give yourself that much credit that somebody's going to be saved just by watching you. That's called pride. They need to hear the gospel. Let me tell you what you are when you're on mission. You're one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. That's all we are. I just shared with you called the Roman Road. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You're a you're not 100% certain that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Well, do you believe the gospel? Are you willing to call on the name of the Lord? You can be saved right now. And I pray you would surrender to Christ and be saved. The essentials of being on mission. If you're on mission, the invitation is this. Pray for your mission. And... On the way out, pick up one of these bags. They're back there. They're here and they're here. You pick up one of these bags. Use it. This is a toolkit. If you're a member of our church or not a member of our church, but you're a Christian and you want to be on mission with us, but you're a member here and you, don't, you haven't signed up for a mission, I'm not here to rebuke you and get on to you, but I want to encourage you to get a mission, to get a mission. Pray that God would burn your heart for somebody. And if you're going to do that, you pick up one of these bags, one of these toolkits. And if you're here today visiting our church and you're saved and you've been baptized in a like-minded church, biblical baptism by immersion, believing that it is the first act of obedience after you're saved and you want to unite with us, or maybe you come from a different denomination and you have some questions, we want to invite you to come forward and we'll help you. We'll begin that process of answering your questions. But above all, if you're not 100% certain if you died today that you'd go to heaven, you're God's mission today. I want to invite you to come to Jesus. And the way you do that is you just walk out of the aisle, come right down here. In just a moment, when we're all standing up singing, you come down the aisle, come right here.